So I'd like to share and just get into uh, the message this morning, and it's um, actually going to be, as I was looking at this, I have two chapters there, but it's actually going to be the cliff notes for chapter 21 through 26. As I was looking at the passage and seeing what was going on, it, it kind of, I mean, obviously you can spend, you know, hours on just one chapter or just a few verses, but as I was looking at it and as I was thinking about September 10th rolling around very quickly and wanting to begin a, a sermon series with our fall emphasis and the, the kickoff of a number of our groups that start and the whole purpose of those groups being to help us grow deeper and grow in our faith, I thought, well, I can, I can put these together and give you the cliff notes for chapter 21 through 26. It says 23 on the screen there, but it's actually going to be chapter 26 because what it is detailing, as we talked about last week, is Paul is, is headed to Jerusalem. He was on that missionary journey. He kind of had that stopover with a bunch of church leaders and gave them some of their marching orders as he was leaving for Jerusalem, and they had to go back and lead the church. Um, that's kind of where we left off with him. And when he goes to Jerusalem, that's kind of where things change for Paul's life. And that's where Luke is going to bring a conclusion to this beginning story, the initial story, the, the launch of the church. Obviously, in the end of Acts, the church doesn't stop. We don't stop hearing about the movement and growth of the church. And we're living it, actually, right now. But it is bringing a conclusion to Paul's ministry, what God's called him to do. And actually, chapter 1, 21 through 26, is that story of Paul getting to his final destination. Uh, so in 21, uh, we leave the leaders, and they're all weeping and crying. And after we had torn ourselves away, this is Luke writing, he was with Paul, and after that emotional time with all those leaders and they tore themselves away, we see he's making this course for Jerusalem. We put out to sea and sailed straight to Kos. Next day we went to Rhodes and from there to Patara. And it's just giving you different destinations. We found a ship crossing over to Phoenicia, went on board and set sail. After sighting Cyprus, you can, if I put a map up there, you could see them going uh, east in the Mediterranean and passing to the south of it, we sailed on to Syria. So he's now in the, on land where he needs to be. We landed at Tyre where our ship was to unload its cargo. So now he's got to where he was heading in terms of meeting with the, the church in Jerusalem. We sought out the disciples there and stayed with them seven days. Through the Spirit, they urged Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. They knew that there was a, a group of people in Jerusalem that didn't like Paul very much. And so they tried to get him to stop from going there because they, I mean, pretty much knew what would happen. In fact, there's somebody that comes, Agabus is his name, and kind of prophesies to Paul what's going to take place when you head to Jerusalem. And Paul says to him, I'm not only ready to be bound for Jesus, but if I have to die, I'll die for Jesus. So no one's going to persuade him from going to Jerusalem. So he makes that trek up to Jerusalem. When we arrived at Jerusalem, this is Paul and the people that were with him, the brothers and sisters received us warmly. 
The next day, Paul and the rest of us went to see James, and all the elders were present. Remember, Paul was taking an offering. He had collected this offering in all these churches that he had planted, Gentile believers that were providing an offering, money for the poor and the needy and the destitute in Jerusalem. So he was delivering that and came to James and the other elders um, at Jerusalem where the leadership of the church was and shared with them everything that had happened. Paul greeted them and reported in detail what God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. Uh, following that, he goes to the temple. Something that had happened, before I move on from there, something that had happened all while Paul was gone was that people were stirring up rumors and trouble about Paul. Obviously, Paul was now headed back to a very Jewish place. If you can recall back in Acts 15, they were struggling with just the fact that these Gentiles were coming to faith in Christ not having to observe the Mosaic laws, not having to have their the, uh, follow the, the circumcision covenant, all, all those things that the Jews had attached to salvation. Paul is saying, no, it's by faith through grace alone. That's, that's it. But they were saying that Paul was disparaging the Jewish faith now that all those things didn't matter and uh, Judaism was something that people should not follow at all. And yet many of them still went to synagogue on the Sabbath. And so they had started stirring up this trouble for Paul in Jerusalem. That's why the, the believers in the city of Tyre were saying, don't go, do not go, because they knew what would happen if Paul headed to Jerusalem. But God had his purposes in mind for Paul and his ministry, and so Paul went, met with the leadership in Jerusalem, and he actually went to the temple uh, to give the offering. Uh, he went to the temple uh, to be a part of this Nazarite vow to kind of convey that he wasn't tossing out Judaism or his Jewish faith just because he became a follower of Jesus. But he still practiced many of these things. He still followed some of these things that he grew up believing because it was this connection with God that he had, but it didn't provide salvation. And so he tried to do some things to show people that he wasn't throwing Judaism out. So when he went to the temple uh, and he was with uh, some of the leadership of the Jews, it says in verse 27, when the seven days were nearly over, some Jews from the province of Asia saw Paul at the temple. They stirred up the whole crowd and seized him, and it says, shouting, fellow Israelites, help us. This is the man who teaches everyone everywhere against our people and our law and this place, meaning the temple. And besides, he has brought Greeks into the temple and defiled this holy place, because there were people with him that had come to faith in Christ. And so there were Jews who still made pilgrimage back to the temple, and so they recognized Paul, and Paul was there. And so they started stirring up this crowd. That's chapter 21. That's kind of setting the stage for the rest of what's going to happen in 22, 23, 24, 25, and 26. This whole setting, this whole scene is setting up the rest of the book of Acts. And it's actually getting us to that place where Paul's actually going to make his, his final journey uh, to the ends of the earth. That was kind of thought of as Rome in in Paul's day. And so they stirred up the crowd and they 
arrested Paul and obviously uh, were doing the thing you do when you arrest people and you don't like them, you just start beating them. I mean, this was the mob, kind of mob rule. This was why Rome was still there and uh, word got to the Roman guards what was taking place. And so the Roman guards and this commander goes to kind of stop what's going on ultimately. So they actually, the Roman guards actually kind of saved Paul from probably being beaten to death uh, because of everything that the rumors that were shared about him. And Paul gets this opportunity, and this is going to be something that happens over and over again in chapter 20, the end of chapter 21, all the way through chapter 26. Paul's going to tell his story. Paul simply, and we use the word, if you grew up in circles of evangelicalism, we use the word testimony. If someone shares their testimony, usually, usually that triggers all of us who know that word in our mind. Well, they're going to tell us the story about how they came to faith in Christ. They're going to talk about life before Christ, what that looked like. I could do that for you. You could do that as well. We'll talk about when we met Christ, what it looked like when, when Jesus found us and we gave our lives to him. And then that usually leads to what is life with Christ? Since I've been following Jesus, what does my life look like? The end of chapter 21, after Paul is arrested and Paul addresses this crowd that was just trying to beat him to death, that's basically what Paul does. He just tells people his story. He doesn't start in the Old Testament and try and use philosophy or the Old Testament laws. He simply tells his story because you can't argue with your story because it's what God did in his life. I'm just, let me tell you about what my life was like before Jesus. And then one day on that road, you all know Paul's story. We read about it. God changed his life. And he tells that story. And now he tells them what his life is like since he's been following Jesus. And at the conclusion of Paul giving his testimony to this crowd, it says in verse 21 of chapter 22, 21 and 22 is kind of Paul's testimony there, his, his faith story. And he, he ends that by saying, Then the Lord said to me, Go. And you know this part of his story. I will send you far away to the Gentiles. We know that in Acts chapter 9, as Paul meets Christ and hears Jesus talking to him, that he gets this mission. Prior to that, we're spending all of our time at Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria with Peter and the Jews and the disciples. And by Acts 10, 12, 15, and then by here, we don't even hear Peter's name. When, when Paul went to meet with the elders, we hear James's name. So Paul concludes his story with the mission that Jesus gave him. He was going to the Gentiles. Well, that didn't make the crowd very happy. They don't like Gentiles. This is primarily a Jewish crowd. So they were listening to Paul and his testimony and story until this point, and then they shouted as a mob, rid the earth of him. He's not fit to live. And this sends Paul on his journey to eventually get to Rome. I don't think I'm giving any spoiler alerts there. I think you know that that's where Acts ends. 
Um, that's where we're going to end things with Paul in Rome and kind of bring some conclusion to that at the end of this message series. But now this sets uh, Paul up to be able to share his story, his testimony in different settings. So he's uh, taken by the Roman guard. And so now these Roman guards and the commander is listening to Paul's story, and he's interested in what Paul has to say. And so he kind of has Paul, he's like, I, I don't know that much about your laws and rules, and this is a Jewish thing. It's not like you've broken some law in Rome. And so this guy brings together the Pharisees and the Sadducees. These are the leadership of Israel. And Paul, knowing how to work a crowd, he starts talking about the resurrection in chapter 23. And instead of all of them being mad at him, now they're mad at each other because one group believes in the resurrection of the dead. The other group does not. So now they're arguing together. And it says in verse 12, after that episode has happened, as Paul's just now he's with these guards. Now he's with these religious leaders and everywhere he's going. All Paul is doing at this point is telling people about Jesus, his coming to faith in Christ and what that looked like. Life before Christ, when he met Jesus, and now his life since he's met Jesus. And in verse 12 of chapter 23, it says, The next morning some Jews, he's still in Jerusalem at this point, formed a conspiracy and bound themselves with an oath not to eat or drink until they killed Paul. More than 40 men were involved in this plot. So now there's a plot to kill Paul. When they're trans transitioning him from one location to another location, they're planning on ambushing the Roman guards and murdering Paul. Well, the leader of the guards, the commander, gets word of this, and he writes a letter to Felix, who is a governor, and he sends Paul there. With all these guards, all these soldiers, in the cover of darkness, he gets Paul out of Jerusalem and sends him to Felix. Felix was a Roman governor, very powerful man in this area, kind of king-like, really. So now Paul goes to Felix, and you know what Felix wants to know? He wants to know, why is all this happening? Who are you that this is taking place? Why do they want you dead? What is it that you're teaching and believing? And so now in chapter 24, same thing takes place. Paul gets an opportunity to share his faith in Christ, to give his testimony, what life was like before Christ, the events that happened when he met Jesus. Remember, he was persecuting all these people of the way. God changed and transformed his life, and now he's telling him why he is who he is, why he's doing what he's doing. We find out in these sections, in the latter part of chapter 24, 5, and 6, that Paul could have been released. There was no really charges against him, but Paul was determined to take his story, if it meant even dying, to Rome. So for two years, he was in this place. Felix was the governor. Uh, he's in chapter 24. He's taken to Felix. Um, and this is 24, verse 27, kind of concluding that time in Paul's life. So this journey to Jerusalem, to Rome, is not like, man, this happened in a week time frame. No. Um, Paul actually is getting even more time 
to share his story with very powerful people. And one of them was Felix. When two years passed, Felix was succeeded by Porcius Festus. That was the new governor that was taking over. But because Felix wanted to grant a favor to the Jews, he knew that Paul didn't need to stay in prison, but he left Paul in prison. And now Festus is overseeing all this, and he too leaves Paul in prison. And Festus is kind of trying to figure all of this out, and he takes Paul to a king named Agrippa. So because Paul um, really had no reason to stay in jail, this is verse 25, verse 10 through 12, this is what basically Festus discovered, like, why are you still here? There's no really charges against you. Paul answered, I am now standing before Caesar's court. During this time of Paul uh, being in prison, it was discovered that he was actually a Roman citizen. And that gave Paul special privileges that others did not have. And so even as Paul and Festus knew Paul could be released from prison, Paul says this in verse 10, I am now standing before Caesar's court in that Festus was a representative of the Roman Empire of Caesar. Where, where I ought to be tried. I have not done any wrong to the Jews, as you yourself very well know. They all knew he was not a criminal. If, however, I am guilty of doing anything deserving death, I do not refuse to die. But if the charges brought against me by these Jews are not true, no one has the right to hand me over to them. I appeal to Caesar. After Festus had conferred with his counsel, he declared, you have appealed to Caesar, to Caesar you will go. That's chapter 25. After that takes place, Festus takes Paul to King Agrippa. And you know what happens when Paul's standing before King Agrippa in chapter 25 and 26? Something very familiar that if you read all of chapter 21, 2, 3, and 4, you'd hear the same thing. Paul gets another opportunity to talk about his life in Christ. This is what I was like before Jesus. This is what happened when I met Jesus, when he found me on that road to Damascus. And really, this is why I'm headed to Rome, because of Jesus. And so 25 and 26 is that story. And when we get to chapter 27 next week, that's basically Paul's last journey. He heads to Rome. And chapter 28 is the conclusion of the story of Acts. In the midst of that journey, when he's standing before King Agrippa, and I added this uh, verse because I want us to, as I kind of close with something that's important that happens in 21 through 26 that I think is important for all of us to know and remember, and you don't have to be the, the best missionary the church has ever known to be able to do this, it says in verse 28 of chapter 26, Then Agrippa said to Paul, this is a king, Do you think that in such a short time, he's just telling his story about Jesus, that you can persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul replied, Short time or long, I pray to God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am, a follower of Jesus, 
except for these chains. The king rose, and with him the governor and Bernice and those sitting with them. And after they left the room, they began saying to one another, This man is not doing anything that, de that deserves death or imprisonment. Agrippa said to Festus, This man could have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. He was on a mission, Paul was. And all that got him in trouble was his faith in Christ. And what we see Paul doing is exactly what Ananias, if you can remember back to Paul's story, this is part of Paul's testimony, Acts chapter 9. Ananias told him, one day, Paul, you're going to stand before Gentiles and their kings and all the people of Israel, and you are going to tell them what Jesus did for you on this road. Acts chapter 26, that has come true. Paul has done it. And we look at Paul as this amazing guy, which he was. Very smart, intelligent. He knew how to work a crowd. He knew how to talk to the Jews. He knew how to talk to the Gentiles. But this last part of his life, the final stories of Paul's journey of this amazing missionary actually simply does something that you and I can do on a regular basis anytime that we want to. There must be something powerful about this story, about a man who was far from Christ, meeting face to face with Jesus, and then hearing about what's happened since then. All of our stories are similar in that way. One, two, and three. Life before Christ, I can tell that story. You can tell that story. What it looked like when Jesus and I met, maybe not as literal face-to-face -face as Paul, but I can tell you the moment when it happened. I can tell you the time in my life when God changed me. And then what life looks like since I've started following Jesus. If there's something that I want you to take away from this whole story in the book of Acts, a lot of things happening. God's doing some amazing things. I know we've done this as a church. I do this with the kids every time we do confirmation class. All I simply want them to do is be able to sit down and share with somebody. This is what life looked like before I was following Jesus. And then when Jesus and I met, he transformed me. And there's something powerful in those stories. Each one of yours might be a little bit different. In fact, I'm sure that it is. I think I've shared this before, that the, the best class, one of the best classes I had at seminary was my evangelism and discipleship class. And there was about 30 of us probably in that class. And every class period, somebody new got up and just did exactly what Paul did. Every class period, every time we were together, we just heard that person's story about what got them to seminary, why they were there. It's just powerful to hear that. You have that story. I, I want to encourage you, if you've never thought about this, as I said, I have our kids do it all the time through confirmation classes, the first assignment they have. Now, obviously, 
Lily's story, she's 13 years old, is going to sound a little bit different than maybe your story and your coming to Jesus because you've just lived more life than her. But what I'm trying to instill in these kids is that there's something powerful when you have a friend, a coworker, a neighbor, a loved one, somebody on the sports team, and you can just have the opportunity to tell them why your life is so different. You don't have to go to seminary for it. You don't have to be the greatest missionary to the Gentiles that ever lived. You just got to share your story of what your life was like before Jesus. What's happened since he's transformed your life and what your life is like now that you've been following him. And if your life isn't different from one to three, then you better make sure you've met the Jesus that Paul met that transforms lives. Because Jesus is in the transformation business. You will not be the same person. He will change your life. So as we close this morning, the synopsis of chapter 21 and 26 what is your testimony? Paul did it. God gave him plenty of opportunities to share it. And I can guarantee you, I did on this mission trip we were just on in Maryland. I can guarantee you God is going to give you an opportunity to talk to somebody. You don't have to know the ins and outs of the Bible, be able to give chapter and verse of all it. You just got to tell someone else what God did in your life. I think to me... That illustrates something about the power of the personal testimony. The end of chapter 21 through 26, I mean, this is it. We're coming to the conclusion of the book of Acts completely, and what we've got is Paul simply retelling his testimony. There's something powerful in your personal testimony of coming to Jesus. I want to encourage you to share it with somebody. If you haven't thought about it, write it down. What was life like before Christ? What did it look like when me and Jesus met and he transformed my life? And why and what does it look like now since he's come into my life? I want to challenge you to do that as we draw to a conclusion this Acts series in the next couple weeks. Let's pray. Father, thank you for something so unique and amazing as the personal testimony. The opportunity to just share with somebody what life was like before Jesus and then how he transformed us and then the changes that he has brought. And we could do that here in this room, I'm sure. And maybe one day we will just have people share personal testimonies. God, I pray that we would think about our own and that we would be able to. If nothing else, Lord, if we can't give chapter and verse and challenge everybody on the latest apologetics courses or uh, take somebody through the scriptures verse by verse because we just don't know them that well, Lord, we ought to know our story and be able to share that. There's something powerful when you can sit beside somebody and tell them how Jesus changed your life. God, I pray that you would give us the opportunities to do that. Lord, I pray that through the personal testimonies of people in this room, 
God, that someone might find Christ and be compelled by this Jesus that could change the life of Ted Rathman, the life of, insert your name. God, our lives changed when we've decided to follow Jesus, and I pray, Lord, that you would continue to make us, mold us, shape us to look like him and to share him with the world around us as his story encompasses our story and changes us forever. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.